Take your Bible to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7. And we're answering this question, what is faith? Faith is more than a feeling. Somebody will have a conversation and say, I have faith. Okay, what does that mean? Can you imagine the story that we're about to study if Noah just like said, hey, you know, told God like, I have faith. And God's like, okay, build a boat. God, you don't understand. I have faith. We'll, We'll build a boat. Well, I have faith. Faith is not just a feeling. It's more than knowledge. It's more than just ideas. Faith is obeying God even when things seem impossible. It's easy to obey God if God said, give a dollar and you have two dollars in your pocket. It's easy to build a boat if you had all the materials sitting there. It's easy to cross the Red Sea if it's already split. It's, it's easy to free the people if, if Pharaoh was already saying, just let them go. But what do you do when you come into circumstances where you're just like, I just don't know. I don't know. I I don't know where the resources are going to come from. I don't have the knowledge to make this happen. I don't have the skill set to do this. I I, I just don't know. And I think for a lot of us that that, that there's things that we're missing out on life because we, we want everything just to fall in place. And sometimes God calls us to take action when we just... We just don't know. It's harder. I, I think it's important that we understand that we serve the God that calls us to do things. It's, it's not just a matter of going to step out in faith to do something crazy because it's your idea. If, if you say, I feel like God called me to uh, buy a Lamborghini, that might be you and not God. Okay, so I'm not guaranteeing you that that idea is going to work out. But I have faith. It's got to be faith in what God said, not just in your crazy ideas. Okay, there is a difference. But Jesus was teaching and he was teaching the disciples and teaching them around him. And he beheld them and he said unto them, with men, this is impossible. But with, all, with God, all things are possible. I'm saying it's not you, it's not just that. If, if, God leads you, if God leads you to do something like that, God leads us to do things that are beyond our abilities and resources. It's not difficult because God's not limited by us. It's not limited by what you have. So sometimes we make excuses why we don't think, do certain things because it's just like, it doesn't make sense in our minds. Didn't make sense possibly in Pastor Denoff's mind 58 years ago to come to a, uh, Columbus, Ohio and start a church. It's like, well, we have no people, we have no land, we have no building to meet. But they were just trusting God to do that. That is what faith is. Here's the thing. God calls us to do things that are beyond our limits because God knows that he has a plan that is greater than our abilities. You were created by God to do more than you think. Let, let, let me just say that again. You were created by God to do more than you think. Noah is standing there thinking, okay, I'm just going to be a righteous man and try to serve God in my generation. And God was like, dude, I've got so much more for you, but you've got to take a step of faith. Whatever, wherever you're at in life, God wants to use you to expand your family, to reach people, to make a difference, to fight for others, whatever it is. But I can promise you, wherever you're at, that God has more for you. I promise you that God has more for you. Hebrews eleven seven is about faith in Noah. It's an epic illustration about obeying God when things seem to be impossible. Let me show you this. It says in Hebrews eleven seven, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. This is a well-known story, but I, I don't know if we fully understand the impact of why this was even happening. To be honest, we hear the story of Noah, and it's almost like frustrating. It's like, why would God flood the earth? 
And I know for a lot of people that that's just the idea that that's a childhood story or that's something they tell in Sunday school or that's just a myth or whatever. But this was part of history. But the question is why? In order for us to understand the impact of what was happening, we have to step back and ask the question, why? So I take you back to Genesis and I give you some of the background of what's going on. It says, and God saw in Genesis 6, 5, which is the story of Noah, and God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination, all their thought processes of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. They had nothing to do with God. They shunned God. They shunned his purpose. They shunned uh, sacrifice, they shun worship, they, they, they're just like, we're done. I don't know who this God is, but we, not, we want nothing to do with God. And then verse 11, and the earth was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence, and God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth, and God was going to destroy the earth with water. And the question is why? I think it's important for us to understand the mind and the heart of God. God is not some bully. It's not that he's up there just wanting to do things like this. If you go back at the very beginning when God created Adam and Eve, God created Adam and Eve for his glory, for fellowship with God, that we were made in the image of God. We were made to connect with God. We were made to walk with God. That's why last week when we talked about Enoch walked with God. Enoch had a relationship with God. He was fulfilling his purpose. God was pleased with the fact that there was people that walked with God. You have a purpose in your life that goes beyond making money, goes beyond your job, goes beyond going to church, it goes beyond whatever your ambitions are in life. You have a purpose in life that you were created in the image of God to walk with God. If you were created by God and for God, the, re- the way that you get satisfaction or fulfillment or your identity in life is to walk with your creator, to know him, for him to speak into your life. If you're to go to Revelation, and we're talking about the end of time and when God's uh, like recapping everything that's in life, it says this about our purpose. Thou art worthy, O Lord. So they're worshiping God. They're worshiping Jesus to receive glory and honor and power. This is why. For thou hast created all things, and we know that. But listen to this. And for thy pleasure they are and were created. Do you know the reason that we exist today is for the glory of God? If you don't fulfill the glory of God, the Bible says if, you, if, if they don't gather together and worship my name and praise my name, the Bible says my creation, I'll have the rocks cry out. God exists to be glorified by us. I'll go back to Noah. There was no one glorifying God. If we cease to bring glory to God, we cease to, have, to be fulfilling our reason for existence. You say, what does that have to do with this? It has everything to do with this. The Bible talks about this being a parallel of what's going on in our world today. Jesus teaches us about the coming of Christ. And I know I'm getting into things that people are like, this is crazy. This is like UFO and Bigfoot stuff. When you start talking about the coming of Jesus Christ, where God takes us home, where he raptures out his church Jesus was teaching and he explains Noah and he explains why what was, what was happening and, and this idea that the, the time came that he destroyed the earth with water because they were no longer bringing glory to God. They ceased to do that. Now listen to this. Jesus was teaching in 17, Luke 17 verse 36 and he said, two men shall be in a field, one shall be taken, one shall be left. And I could keep reading, 
But he was talking about rapturing us out or taking us home or bringing us home to heaven. As he's teaching this, he said, okay, there's two stories that I can give you. I want you to understand these stories because he he said, I'm going to point back to history of when he did things for us to understand what he did and why he did it. One of them was the days of Lot of Sodom and Gomorrah. He points back to the days of Sodom and Gomorrah and he says this, and we're rewinding, he says in verse 28 of Luke, likewise also in the days of Lot. So he says, let me tell you another story. Likewise in the days of Lot, they did eat and they drank and they bought and they sold and they planted and they builded. And the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and he destroyed them all. You say, why would God do that? That is so weird that God would do that. Now you go to the city of, uh, of Sodom and Gomorrah, these cities that were there. And the Bible talks about how they rejected God and how there is no glorifying God and there's no living for God. There's, there, there's no righteousness. And in the middle of that, God decides to destroy them and, and wipe them off the earth because they're no longer bringing glory to God. And why he did that, he goes to Abraham and he says to Abraham, I'm going to destroy Sodom. They've rejected me. They want nothing to do with me. They've re- they turned their back on the creator, the author of everything. And, 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 and not that God was surprised at what's going on, but why this is happening, Abraham turns to God and says, well, what if I find 50? 50 people and all of those people, what if there's 50 people that will worship and honor you? God said, if you find 50, I will not, re- I will not destroy that city. Comes back, he said, I couldn't find 50. He said, but what if I find 40? What if there's 40? Most of you know this story. He went from 40 to 30 to 20 to 10, and he could not find those that were righteous serving God. The idea is that God was going to show grace, and God was going to show mercy, and God was not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God gives warning, but when we reject God, it's not a matter of God saying, I just want to wipe them out. When we reject God, when we turn our backs on God, when we, when we literally shun the one that has called us to bring him glory and we turn our back on that, it's not a matter of God rejecting us. It's a matter of us rejecting God. In every one of these stories, it was the same thing. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3, 9, that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God. The heart of God is not that any should perish, but as he preaches and he teaches and he puts it out there, he's waiting for us to respond. And God did destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because they no longer brought him glory. They did all that which was pleasing of themselves. Then we have another story. It says in verse 26, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. So he said, let me tell you another story. Do you remember? Here's another situation. Now, what was the condition of the, the days of Noah? It's the same thing as the days of Lot. They did that which was right in their own eyes. They rejected the things of God. They rejected the word of God. They, they, they did that which pleased themselves rather than pleasing God. It says in verse 27, they did eat and drank and married wives, and they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. There was a day that God said, enough is enough. I've warned you enough. I preached enough. I've given you all the examples. I pointed to the glory of God. You rejected me. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Why is that? Because they no longer brought glory to God. Now, God says that this is going to happen again. Jesus was teaching about the second coming of Jesus Christ or the rapture of Jesus Christ. And as he does that, he's teaching them and he gives them the warning. And he looks back and he says, remember how they totally rejected me. Remember the days of Noah, how they totally rejected me. So there's a day coming again, but the, the point of the story was that he was going to send them out to preach and to teach and to be able to reach people while the warning was coming. 
Are we seeing this? Are we seeing the change of the world that we have in? And I'm not trying to preach doom and gloom whatsoever. I'm not doing this. I promise you. This is about hope, but this is understanding the mind of God. As churches are closing, as their great fall away, as morality is changing, I I, I guarantee if we were to have our police officers today stand up on the stage, they'd be able to tell you that this world is just so messed up. They see things that it just like goes against morality and goes against things that are are, are care and love for the average person. It's just, it just doesn't make sense. We're seeing the signs as Israel is attacked and we know from scripture that the Bible talks about those being his chosen people. And although it's a small nation, they would constantly be opposition. That is prophecy before our, our eyes. When we study the story of Noah, we are studying out our own story as well. That's why he says, it's the days of Noah, the days of Lot, so shall it be in the Son of Man. So I believe that this step of faith that God was calling Noah to do was way more than just let me tell you a story time of what happens. The Bible said that he gave us the rainbow that goes in the sky to say, I'll never destroy the earth again in that way. But God is going to come back and do it another way. In the midst of all these things falling apart, the Bible says about how they were wicked and they never thought of God whatsoever. But it says in Genesis 6, 9, and these are the generations of Noah. Noah was just man and perfect in his generation. Perfect does not mean, in the, in, the, in the wording of the word of God, does not mean that he was without sin. But he had a direction to please God and go after God. But the Bible says that Noah walked with God. Why does the Bible emphasize that as being so important? Because of the fact is, that is why we were created to begin with. You were created to have a relationship with God. You were created to walk with God. You were created to please God. You please God by walking with God. So God points him out and says, this pleases me. And he did this in the middle of a wicked generation. And God called him out to do something great. When I say something great, I'm talking about blow your mind. This doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. But let me show you Hebrews eleven seven. It says, by faith, Noah. By faith in God, God was able to use him in this big way to do something that seemed to be impossible. You can imagine, it does not rain during that time. It's the beginning of the world. The Bible talks about the water came up from the ground. There wasn't the atmosphere and the changes, all that changed with the flood. Everything is different. And God made this thing that I'm going to, I'm going to flood the earth and I'm going to save society and I'm going to do it with a boat. And I'm going to have you and your handful of family build this boat. And Noah's hearing all this information and he just steps back and he says, I've never built a boat, but yes, Lord, I'll do this. It wasn't the fact that God called some sort of master boat builder to do this. God just found a person, a guy, a father, a husband, a trusted God. What do you do? What do you say when God calls you to do something that just seems to be impossible? It seems to be like, God, I, I, I've never built a boat. There's not rain. There's no water even close. God, my kids aren't craftsmen. I don't know how we, all these different things. We make excuses, but Noah trusted God. Faith is obeying when, even when things seem impossible. So let me just show you two things and we'll, we'll wrap this up. I, I promise. How, how do we obey God? It says right here, it says in Hebrews eleven seven by faith, Noah being warned of God of things not seen. The simplest way that we can start this off is, is, is his, uh, following his example is he believed the warning. Just believe the warning. 
I, I know that's easy for, for us to look back and look at Noah as, as God saying, I'm going to destroy the earth with water and it's going to rain, it's going to flood, and I, I'm going to build an ark and, and I, I'm going to provide salvation. And you guys already know the parallel. It's like there's going to be one door and you enter through the door and as long as they enter the, the door and they trust in my, what I'm saying, they'll be saved as they enter through the door. Jesus is the door. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to be rescued. There's a reason that we call it salvation. It's to be saved from something. God's telling us that he's coming back and doing these things. The parallels are there. And Noah's obeying this command. He's being warned of God. Can you imagine that family meeting as they're sitting around saying, what are we going to do, Dad, and how is this even possible? But they believe God are the warning of things yet not seen. Can I tell you our warning of what God's given us? In Matthew 24, verse 33, and this is just what we're, when we're feeling the changes and the shift of culture and all these things that are happening around us, Jesus said this in his teaching, so likewise ye, when you shall see all these things, know that the time is near. And I wish I had time to go into all these things, but I promise you, Israel becoming a nation and all of these things that we read about the news, and it's so funny how you can read Facebook News and Yahoo News and, and Google News and watch the ABC 6 and, and, and see the things that they're headlining and actually open up the Bible and say, that is what God said. And Jesus said, as you see these things happening, listen to what he says, know that it is near even at the doors. For verily I say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. I've preached on this message or this passage before when it talks about this generation. Have you ever thought that, that God says that there's going to be a generation? There's going to be a family group, a church group, a, a, a timeline of people that God says, you're going to be the last voice. You're going to be the last preachers. Jesus warned them. And God's called us to warn them. And this was the warning that Jesus said in John 14, 3. He says, and if I go to prepare a place for you, listen to what he says. He said, I will come again. I will. I, here's a crazy thing. We hear something like that. And in the back of our mind, we think that's radical preachers. That's radical people. That's just far-fetched. Although everything in scripture lines up with everything that's happening in life. And I promise you this. Can I just share my heart? If this is the best that it gets, this life stinks. God said in the wickedness of this world where everything is falling apart. He said, I will come again and I will make it right. In Revelation when he says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. He said, I, I make a new heaven and a new earth and the former things are passed away and there shall be no more dying, nor death, nor sorrow, nor violence and all those other things for the former things are passed away. It's not a matter of God trying to scare us to death into heaven. It's a matter of understanding that God said, I will conquer the junk of this world and I will make it better. That's what this is all about. Of God fulfilling the promises that he did. He said, I will receive you unto myself that where I am there ye may be also. This is restoring what sin has broken in this world. But let me show you this. How did they obey God? How do, how do we obey God? There is believing the warning. But let me show you this. In verse 7 he says, And Noah being warned of God of things not seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark. 
It's a, it's a matter of, it's not just believing the warning, but it's about taking action. It is not enough to say, yes, Lord, I believe it. And I think Christians in this room right now would be like, is the Lord coming back? Amen, I believe that. Is the world falling apart? Amen, I believe that. Do we see signs in Israel? Amen, I believe that. But what do we do when God says, I've got a plan and I want to use you to do it? We jump back and like, whoa, wait a minute, God, I, I, that's not me. Do you reason the reason, the, the reason we have the story of Noah and Enoch and Abel and Abraham and Daniel is to inspire us. I did it once, I can do it again. God is not finished with his people. We take action. The Bible says in verse 7 that, that, that Noah moved with fear, prepared an ark. Can I explain this? This move with fear is not just a matter of us being like, okay, God, if you're going to do this. If somebody came up and, and called me and said, Tony, we just got the message that your house is on fire. I promise you, there's going to be motivation on my heart to get there to rescue my family. I'm going to move with fear, but it's not a fear of being afraid of God. It's a fear of understanding that God tells the truth and what he says will come to pass. That's why the Bible talks about in Jude about some move with fear, saving them out of the fire. It's a matter of understanding the warning what God has said. Noah was like, he moved with fear, prepared an ark. Noah was like, let's go, let's do this. When Jesus was teaching, he said in John 9, 4, he said, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. It's a matter of right now, we have the opportunity, we have the privilege to do the work of God. Things are changing. The world is changing, yes. But our God is still the same. Our God has not changed. It's just a matter of us taking steps of faith to believe that God has not changed. But Hebrews eleven seven, Noah moved with fear. Sense of urgency. You know why that's so important? We can come here every single week. And study passage and study Hebrews 11, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. But let me tell you, hearing about faith does not change the situation that we're in. The Bible says in, in James 2, 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. You want to you see a dead culture, a dead church, a dead, dead outreach or dead anything like that? Just don't take steps of faith. The Bible literally says without, without works, without stepping into it, it is dead. So how do we take action? Simply, we must work the plan. He comes and says, I want you to gather wood and cut down trees and get the gopher wood and, 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 and put the pitch on the inside to seal it up so we're there. I want you to get your sons and gather the animals and gather the food and I want you to line them up and I have the animals for sacrifice and I want you to build a ramp and I want a single door. And they were like, yes, Lord, if that is the plan, then that's what we will do. It is not just a matter of just... Hearing the words of God, it's listening to what God says and going to action. When we're talking about doing things like trunk or treat and prayer stops and evangelizing our city and go and share, that is the plan that God's given us. Reaching our kids, publishing our messages, getting the word out. That's what God's called us to do. God's given us and laid out a plan. And let me tell you, the ark worked and God's plan today still works. It works. But if Noah would have received it and did nothing with it, I promise you, faith without works is dead. How do we respond? Say, but I can't. Let me tell you, God is not limited by your limitations. 
God is not limited by whatever you say that this seems to be impossible and I don't know what's going to happen and I only have so much and I've never been given that kind of talent. I'm a dad that's never been given the privilege of seeing what a real family looks like. I've never had a dad behind me to show me what a dad looks like. Trust me, take steps towards God and God will turn you into the man that you need to be. God will turn us into the church. God will open doors. God will make a way when there seems to be no way. We just work the plan. The second thing is we must preach the truth. Here's the two things that Noah was known about. And the Bible says, and he spared not, in 2 Peter 2, 7, he spared not the old world, but saved Noah, and the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness. Can you imagine the depiction of what God's saying with this? Here's Noah building the ark, doing this. He's, he's getting it done, and he's, he's working on the scaffolds, and doing what else. And the, as he turns around, he's like, hey, Jesus is coming, or God is coming, and God's doing this and warning with this. He was a preacher of righteousness. I love the fact that he wasn't just a preacher. He was a preacher of righteousness. He told the truth. This is only the truth that will set people free. The Bible has commanded us, preach the word, be instant, in season, and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all suffering and doctrine. The only thing that's going to save our kids and change our culture and open the door for God to do things is when we grab a hold of the word of God and we begin to share it and speak it in the life of the darkness. Is the world changing? Yes, it is. Has God's word changed? Absolutely not. But let me tell you, when we take the word of God and we begin to apply it to the hurts of this world, when we understand that anxiety and depression and teen issues and teen pregnancy and all these things are on the rise... It's a matter of us stepping in, not complaining about it, stepping in, stepping in and just saying, God, here's the truth. Preach it. Preaching it doesn't mean we shove it down people's throats. It does mean that we clearly communicated to put it out in front of them. During COVID, I think that it's cool how Satan means something for evil, but God means it for good. We hear that in the Bible. Do you remember that story of, uh, of, of Joseph? When he goes to his brothers, he say, you guys meant that for evil. God turned it for good. Can I, I, can I tell you, I believe that God did that during COVID. I, I believe that God turned around. I remember <clears throat> things were changing. We didn't know what to expect. Nobody knew what to expect. If you say it should have been done this way, well, I'm glad you have that crystal ball. We didn't know. We didn't know. We're just working with the city and working with the ordinances and trying to figure out what steps to take. But I met with our trustees. And I said, I don't know what to do. One of our trustees spoke up and he said, if people are going to be at home, what if we go out of our way to get the message more in their houses? So what are you thinking about? They said, what if we took some of the money that we we're going to do these things in the church and we're turning off the heat, we can't open the doors, and we did all that, and we started buying equipment. So that's what we did. We started buying equipment. And as we bought equipment, we bought cameras and switchers. We bought the machines and all those different things to be able to edit and put it out there and the, 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 uh, the, the software and all this other stuff. And we put a big chunk of money. We just took a step of faith. He said, step of faith, yeah. We were at a place that we should be cutting back on money. We're spending money. I remember the Columbus Dispatch called us up and said, hey, we heard you guys are doing some weird stuff. I said, what? I said, I'm preaching from my home and we're doing a message called, you're not alone. And we're sending it out. And they said, Columbus Dispatch said, can we come to your house and record you? We're doing this message because this is unique and we're excited about what God's doing through your church. And they did an entire interview in my living room of me preaching to a camera. I say, why does that matter? 
Because God was working the entire time, setting us up not to pull back, not to run in fear, not to say, I don't get how this is going to happen, but to trust God in the middle of things being crazy. God blesses crazy steps of faith. You want to see God work in a big way? You got to get over yourself and be able to step into the deep waters that doesn't make sense. Can I share with you what God has done? God blessed Noah's step of faith and God blessed our steps of faith. You say, did all that have an impact? Let me tell you guys. An average, every single week, an average of 65 people watch our services on YouTube. An average of 50 people every single week watch our services on Facebook. An average of every single week, 30 people watch on our website. After we're done with the week, there's 65 to 100 additional views of our messages that we post on Sundays. We then put them on podcasts. We have 20-some podcast platforms every single week, including Apple, Google, Podbean, Spotify, Amazon Music. And thus far, we have posted 850 podcasts of the gospel. Say, has that had an impact? Not views, not listens, but we've had 89.7 thousand downloads of our church services. 89.7 thousand. That's an average of 50 downloads per sermon preached an average of 80 downloads every single week. That's not people just listening, that's people downloading them to their devices. The audience includes United States, United Kingdom, India, Netherlands, Singapore, and more. Our website gets over 400 clicks on the website monthly. We get over 3,000 touches of people scrolling through the things. On YouTube, we have an average of 15 new subscribers each month. We have an average of 21,000 views each month an average of 22,000 minutes of our services being watched each month. I didn't know all this. All all I did was like, can we expand the gospel? Because the thing is, these cell phones and things like this can bring so much grief and drama. Backbiting and hating, you don't believe me? Just wait till election time comes around and I'll tell you what, you won't want to be on social media so much negativity and backbiting and slander and it just drives you crazy but what if God says Lord the the world's using this for evil we put it in the hands of God and they see what God does it for good and our whole vision of what we're doing is not just to improve what we're doing to expand it because there's a world out there that sits on their phone and sits on their iPads and sits on their laptops that we can bring them the gospel and bring them home because like Noah did when things were bad he preached the truth and it made a difference Say, does it make a difference? Can I read you another testimony? This is from our Facebook page of somebody commenting, sending us this message. I'm just reaching out to let you know that your church has been a huge blessing in my life. I'm not sure how, but I was listening to Pandora Radio and I stumbled across your church's page and started listening to your sermons a while back while I'm at work. Through this, God has gotten a hold of my heart. And I gave, and I have started going back to church. It has helped me tremendously to understand God's plan. I grew up in church from the day I was born. When I was 12, my grandfather started molesting my sisters and myself. And at that point, I stopped trusting God and found myself going through the motions. And I left the church at 19. For years, I blamed God for the negative events in my life. And I would describe my relationship with God as I'm not on speaking terms with God right now. I wanted to let you know that your church has been a blessing and God has used your ministry to change my life. 
I started listening to just the last 10 to 15 sermons and then decided to go all the way back to the beginning and post that you, the post that you had in 2013. From the first few lessons that I learned, I learned about Pastor Tony's son, Logan, having cancer. It's amazing to have gone back to 2013 and hearing the different things that God put on Pastor Tony's heart, that he was preparing him for handling this challenge with Logan. And I can see God working through this as well. I haven't gone through all 800 plus messages, but I have gotten as far as March of 2014, and I intend on catching up. I figured if I can binge watch TV shows to get the most current episode, I can binge listen to your sermons. I am praying for Logan and Pastor Tony's family as well as your church family, and I will forever be grateful for the technology that has brought your church into my ears in Iowa at my dog grooming job. That's why we do what we do. How did God use Noah in such a big way? Genesis 7, 5, and Noah did according to all that the Lord God commanded him. I don't care how crazy it seems, how big of a leap of faith that it is, how, how crazy the world is around us. It's just a matter of, let, it's, it's, it's yes, Lord, I'll do it. Here am I, send me. Yes, Lord, I'll commit. I'll commit. 